Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and we've taken a break recently because life has been crazy. Now, remember, as I give you a little rundown, Impact of Leadership, or IOL as some people refer to it, is a passion project for Patrick and I. We both still work full-time with CCB Technology. So recently, as a lot of you know, Patrick's father and the founder of CCB Technology passed away. And what some of you don't maybe know uh, is that within a few weeks of that taking place, we were notified as an executive team that we had to move the entire company out of headquarters and find a new place to go. Uh, Nothing that we did wrong. The business that owns uh, the the place that we've been renting for the last 16 years is expanding. So good for them, bad for us. Uh, But even worse for us is that we only had about 12 weeks to make it happen. So there's going to be another episode, I'm sure, or more than one, where Patrick's going to share some of his stories and uh, how we've turned this uh, frown upside down, so to speak, and lemons into lemonade. Because uh, we did close on a building just recently. And by we, I mean Patrick, because it's not my money. I mentioned those few things because we live this life like you do. We work full-time jobs with goals and passion projects and competition and unforeseen circumstances that we cannot control. And like you, we keep moving forward. All right. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur and introduces himself as just a farm boy from Iowa. Arlen Sorensen is someone that you would think probably is untouchable when you see his accomplishments. Then you speak with him and realize immediately he's one of the most genuine and approachable guys you'll meet. This episode covers how to bounce back after failing as a leader, the role of faith in leading with excellence, and the power of being a go-giver. Now please enjoy my conversation with a farm boy from Iowa, Arlen Sorensen. I'm Marlon Sorensen. Uh, I describe myself uh, first and foremost as a simple Iowa farm boy. Grew up on a farm here in rural southwest Iowa and uh, caught the entrepreneurial bug after I came back to the farm and got involved with technology. I uh, led a VAR MSP company for 27 years that we uh, sold back in 2012 and also created a peer group organization called HTG, which I ran for 18 years before selling it to ConnectWise uh, back in 2018. I work for them today as a VP of Ecosystem Evangelism, which basically means that I uh, support our partners and do all I can to help them be successful. And being a serial entrepreneur, I've got a few other businesses that I run here on the farm, a precision ag company, uh, a consulting firm and uh, a new peer group por- uh, organization that's focused on transitioning owners out of the workplace to uh, their next chapter in life we call success to significance. Wow. So uh, what were your parents like? Well, my dad was, uh, he was a farmer his entire life, a uh, hard worker, very, uh, very entrepreneurially minded. He was a, he was an inventor of sorts and uh, tried lots of new things. So there was always something new going on on the farm, and uh, I learned a lot of my entrepreneurial skills from him. And so uh, I have a, a question lined up, but I'm I'm intrigued. How many businesses have you started or sold? Uh, I've sold three. I've started probably 10. Okay. Uh, a, few, a few failed. Okay. Uh, so. What is something that stands out? that people who haven't started a business should know? It's a lot of work and it's not always a guaranteed for success. Um, You know, you can have great ideas, but they have to be something that uh, other people will feel is great. My greatest failure was a a business I 
I started to sell uh, sell shirts that had you know specific design to draw attention at trade shows. Um, I thought that would be a home run. It really didn't even get off the ground, but. Uh, you know, you got to try. So that that's the thing about entrepreneurialism. You got to be willing to try and fail and just get up and do it again. That's good. And all these years, entrepreneurship, winning, succeeding, failing, learning lessons along the way. Um, and also uh, deeply ingrained in you, obviously, is, is the farm uh, mentality, which I want to talk about in a minute. All of that coming together, how, how would you define leadership excellence then? Leadership is having a, a clear understanding of your mission that you're trying to accomplish, the vision for how you're going to get there, and then having a set of core values that, that guide you on that journey. And being able to communicate that with the people around you that are going to help you on that journey. That's probably the biggest gap I find in leadership is that leaders often know what they're trying to accomplish, but they don't communicate it with the people that they need to help them get there. And so once you have that established, it's it's about transparently serving the team and enabling them to do what needs to be done using their God-given gifts uh, to get things moving forward. So leaders are all about serving and uh, helping people move us down the journey to success. If you could, just for a minute or two, what is it that you would, what advice would you give us in order to get to the point to be able to communicate clearly what our values are and, and the, and that, that missing piece that you mentioned. Yeah. How, how, what, can you break that down? Like, how do we work through that? Yeah. I mean, I'm a believer in systems, uh, that, that systems can help us get to clarity. And so, uh, in our business, we use something called Stratop from the Patterson center out in Colorado it's a, it's a very disciplined system of walking through a number of different constructs to help pull out what it is you're trying to accomplish. What is that mission that you're trying to achieve? Clearly defining kind of that in-state goal, then diving into what's the path look like to get us there? What's that vision that will take us down the road to achieving uh, the mission? And if we don't have core values, which are the things that I call them the guide rails along the road to uh, success, we can quickly get in the weeds and, and lose sight of what we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, I, I'm a believer in systems like Stratop or EOS or Gazelles or others that, that really help you think thoroughly through it. And then, and then once you know what those are, you have to build a communication strategy for how you're going to help other people understand it and uh, be able to walk with you on that journey. It's good. And flip side of, uh, you know, good leaders, what are some warning signs that a leader might be off track? Uh, well, I think shooting from the hip all the time, uh, you know, where, where you really haven't uh, taken the time to think through things clearly. I, I've made that mistake far too many times. Failing to communicate. That's the other thing that, that I think a lot of leaders are guilty of. We see it clearly. We just take off and expect people to come behind us and follow us. And uh, often we're going too fast and, and they don't know exactly what the destination is. So they have trouble, you know, staying along, along on that journey. So communication really is one of the key elements of success for leadership. 
if you can't communicate clearly what it is you want to accomplish with the, the team around you, they're going to have a hard time helping you accomplish that mission. Technology hiccups are maddening. You know, it should just work so you can focus on growing your organization. Your technology should accelerate your business, not slow it down. See if any of these sound familiar to you. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure that my company is secure from cyber attacks. Unexpected IT costs keep eroding our budget. Now, we can't afford an internal IT department. Or, conversely, we can't afford to have our IT department burn out. IT issues are irritating my employees and hurting our sales. And lastly, there's no clear return on our IT spend. But wait, there is hope. CCB Technology guarantees satisfaction for every managed services customer or your money back. CCB has a 98% customer renewal rate of 4.95 out of 5 on each survey score that's tied to each ticket that's submitted by the end user. So that 4.95 is reflective of what they experienced on resolution to the ticket that was submitted. And 99% of all these issues can be resolved remotely. The best part, it's choose your own adventure with CCB. Assessments, projects, help desks, security, backups, fully managed options by CCB's team or co-managed alongside your team. Everything, all of this is customizable based on your needs. Take the first step to a better IT experience. CCBtechnology.com. Click the blue schedule a call button to get started. You're not stuck. CCBtechnology.com for IT that moves your organization forward. Now, back to the show. You said it already at the beginning uh, or in the intro that you're a farm boy. My 70-year-old mentor is a farm boy also. I have learned a ton from him as he looks back on his childhood and uh, lessons from his dad. And you have an email or I'm not sure if you call it a blog that I get forwarded to me constantly from from our owner, Patrick Booth, uh, Lessons from the Farm. How would you describe that publication and, and what is the goal of it? It's something I write every day, and really it's just a daily dump of, of ideas or lessons that I learned the previous day. I, I began writing back in 2000 when I was going through some, some challenging times in my company and in my marriage, and uh, I found that writing really helped me to you know, clarify my thoughts. When it goes through your fingers, you really kind of have to have uh, you know, a little bit of clarity to be able to, to type it. So... You know, I began writing then back in 2006. I, I be committed to writing six days a week. And over the last couple of years, my daughter's begun to write on Saturday. So I'm now writing five days a week. But, you know, it's the discipline of writing that has really made an impact for me. Uh, I haven't missed a day since uh, the fall of 2008. So almost 15 years now where I haven't missed one day of, of putting something out. And, that discipline just clarifies my thoughts, helps me to really understand what it is that I'm learning. I write a section on learning. I write a section on scripture that I'm studying that day. And I write a section or share something that I learn from others every day. And that discipline is really a key part of my leadership success. You know, it just, it gets me up. It gets me going gets me thinking in the right direction. And, uh, you know, so at the end of end of my hour, hour and a half of, of prep, I hit the button and it goes out to about 800 folks around the globe and uh, gets shared from there. So it's it's been a real 
real help to me becoming more mature as a leader and, and being able to communicate far more clearly. So uh, it's definitely the most robust email that I get in my inbox for sure. And every time I think, how in the world does he do this? So could you tell us a little bit about your process? Could you describe your process and putting that email together? It sounds like it's a morning thing. Uh, I heard you say an hour and a half, but I'd love to know kind of more behind the scenes. It, it, it's a daily discipline. I stage, uh, I use MailChimp as my, my tool and I stage emails up, especially lessons that I'm learning from, from other people. Uh, that section, I collect those, you know, throughout throughout the day and uh, I'll pick one to, to put in there. But it, I spend between an hour and an hour and a half uh, on each of those. And I tell people all the time, if, if you read everything I write, there's something wrong with you because um, <laughs> there's a lot of content. And, you know, my prayer every morning when I hit send is, Lord, tap the people on the shoulder that need to read the message today that you've given me. And, uh, you know, Almost every day I, I get a handful of emails from people that said, wow, this, this was really spoke to me. Um, and so, you know, that's the way I look at it is it, it's my tool to help me be a better leader. But by sharing with others, I, I ask God to use it as a way to encourage and, and uh, challenge others as well. You mentioned uh, early on, uh, you know, fails in the entrepreneurship and, and business is not taken off. Uh, but I'd like to hear a little bit more um, since you, you know, you cracked that door. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you've learned from failure um, and maybe where failure has taken place along the way um, so that others that are listening to this can identify with that. Or maybe as my, my mentor says, learn, learn from my mistakes so that you don't have to repeat them. Exactly. And, and that, that's, that's a key thing to, uh, to really uh, focus on is that, we don't have to all make every mistake ourselves, you know, by learning and listening to others, we can, we can uh, avoid some of the things that we know uh, could get us as well. I got to tell you that the most important things I've learned on my leadership journey have come through the school of hard knocks. You don't forget those lessons. And uh, God has used a two by four multiple times to adjust my course. You know, I, I had success early on in, in my technology uh, business and, you know, one one of the early things that got me in trouble was I, I read the I read the uh, press. I uh, fell into pride and in thinking that we were so special, you know, and and grew the company way beyond uh, what I ever dreamed could be possible, you know. And we came to Y two K, and I had geared up believing that we were going to have the greatest opportunity in the history of mankind around technology. Y two K missed Iowa completely. And uh, we were we were in deep trouble. We had uh, way too many people for the business we had, and the business was financially on the the verge of failure. So um, that was one of the the major uh, lessons that God taught me is you can't believe everything you read, even if it's about you, and uh, you got to make sure that uh, you're not running the business on pride rather than reality. You know, I've, I've had failure in my family and uh, struggles in my marriage um, from lack of attention and, and prioritization and focus, you know, and we've had some rough patches that we've had to work through that uh, God graciously guided us through. But, you know, relationships are precious. And, uh, you know, if you don't put the appropriate amount of time and effort and energy into them, 
they can fall apart. And uh, so we, we wrestled through some of that. Another mistake I made along the journey uh, when we were growing so fast was really treating my team as resources rather than, you know, the unique people that, that God had allowed us to, to bring together. And uh, people, are, people are precious. Uh, they're important. You don't get anywhere in leadership without them. And, you know, making sure that you see people for who they are and you treat them appropriately is, is a lesson I had to learn the hard way. What was it that turned your focus from uh, people being resources to people being treasures and the point of uh, basically people being an, a mechanism for output and then flipping it to what it sounds like to me, at least as if I'm interpreting correctly, it flipped at some point to, a, no, 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 my job here is to serve these folks. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it was the transition to servant leadership. And, and there were just some really hard conversations and, and uh, we lost some people. Um, you know, I had an, an employee come into my office and said, I feel like I'm a number, not, you know, a teammate. And, uh, you know, some of those, some of those things just have to hit you right between the eyes before you wake up and, and really understand. And, you know, I began to, to study and, and read and, uh, you know, John Maxwell's stuff about leadership and, and others, um, you know, and just realizing that there is no leadership with, without people. Um, you know, the real test of, of a leader is to turn around and see who's following. And uh, if there's nobody following, you aren't a leader, um, you know, and, and that was kind of what I realized was going to happen if I wasn't careful. Um, so, you know, my whole mind shift of being, you know, this guy that had it all figured out and was going to be at the front of the pack had to shift completely to the people around me or the people that are actually going to get things done. And I need to be behind them and supporting them and lifting them up and, and removing barriers so they can do what God created them to do. Mm -hmm. So did, did your uh, view of success shift along the way as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, success was all about me early um, in my career. And I realized that it's not about me at all. It's about the people around me and the people that we serve, um, you know. So I had to shift my mindset completely to what really mattered. And uh, that was taking care of the people that, that were on our team and taking care of the, the customers that we served. Because uh, without those two things, there was no, no leadership or no company. So then uh, when you look back on the, the last couple decades uh, that you've been in leadership, um, the ups and downs, whether you uh, or people on the outside maybe would define success or failure, um, you know internally. What role, because you've spoken about it several times so far, but I want to hear specifically, like, what role does faith play in your leadership style? Well, faith is central to, to who I am. So it is central to leading. And, and that was really one of the, one of the issues early on in my career that, that caused some of the failures. I bought into the idea that, you know, you have to, you can't have faith in business. They don't go together. So my mindset was I'll check my faith at the door when I walk into the office and, you know, do my job at work and then I'll take it back home with me after I'm done for the day and, you know, we'll separate it. 
Well, the problem became that I, I checked it at the door, but I never picked it up when I left. And uh, pretty soon I was, I was on a slippery slope of faith was really not central at all. I had put it on the shelf, basically, because I bought into the lie that, you know, faith and work can't go together. That was one of the biggest two-by-fours that, that God had to use in my life was to, to make sure I understood that faith is who you are. And it's not something you can check at the door, or, nor should you even want to. Um, so, you know, I, I immediately figured that out after some very hard lessons and, and shifted my mindset to really understanding that Jesus was the greatest leader that ever walked on this planet. And, uh, you know, his style was servant leadership. And, you know, so here we are 2,000 plus years later and still the out, output of that leadership is all around us. Um, so, you know, I, I, I learned that lesson in the 90s and, and uh, you know, God was gracious to, to help me restore some of the things I had messed up royally. And I began to follow that approach to leadership uh, as I began to uh, create the peer groups and other things, you know, modeling after the way Jesus was, was leading and uh, that that has been effective for me. So faith is faith is right in the middle of everything I do, and uh, I, I believe strongly that we just can't separate our work or our life from the faith that we have. Yeah, it reminds me, um, colleague that, that that I've worked with for ten years now. Uh, he says, and we quote him often, that people like to say there's two cups, but there's a home life, there's a work life, there's two different cups, but really it's one cup. Um, and it reminded me of that because if you're the, what you're describing sounds very similar, um, that you know, it's, you're the same person. So either what's it, what's inside, is it inside you or not? Is, is faith central or isn't it? You talked, you spoke before about guardrails and I wanted to come back to that. I wasn't sure when, but I think now would be a good time. So you said multiple times where, you know, um, God has used a two by four to swipe you upside the head and get your attention um, where you've, you know, you were really close to ruining things or you went back and, and had to uh, rectify some things that, that got messed up along the way. As you've built a career and rebuilt maybe some bridges or things like that, what could you talk a little bit at least about the guardrails that you've been putting out in front of you as you walk the path forward after experiencing those things? It's really about core values and, and what, what you're going to prioritize and, and uh, choose to follow in every situation that you face in life. And I, I would, I would tell you that, yeah, that uh, in the nineties, my focus shifted to me as being the center of life. And that was a big mistake. Um, you know, my first core value is that it, God is central and uh, he is, he is the, foundation of who I am and what I want to do, uh, you know, and then, then family comes, you know, right behind that, um, and loving, loving people, core values really help keep you grounded. And, uh, one of the things that I've really worked hard to do is to communicate those core values to everybody that is on my team and encourage them that if they see me ever violate a core value, I expect them to be in my office and telling me. Because I, I need I need to stay the, the the course. We aren't designed to do it alone. 
Um, you know, God put us on this planet in community so community can help keep us on the right course. And so I, I have always encouraged my teams to, to challenge me when they see me violating things that I've proclaimed to be core to my life. And uh, they have on occasion. And it's been very healthy. I 100% and one of the core values for impact of leadership is community. And what's behind that is just what you said. We believe that we were created for community and God demonstrates that himself. Absolutely. So that's, that's one of our, so we're, we're right in line and I'm hearing you um, about the core values. And uh, I only have a couple more questions, but I, I just, I would think about it if I didn't ask this. Do you have tips for, for folks that maybe haven't figured out their own core values or been able to actually articulate? They, they, they might be able to say, I, I know what I believe or I know what I stand for, but they maybe haven't gone through the process of articulating those. Do you have tips on uh, how to distill that down? What, one of the tips I would give you is to ask the people close to you, what are the things that, that they see in your life that you hold dear and true? You know, the systems that I talked about earlier have got tools in them that, that help dig those things out. The thing about core values is you, you want them to be, you know, real, not aspirational. And so when you, when you select those core values, it needs to be the way you're going to live your life and, and what you're going to use as, as guardrails and keep you on that course. So uh, don't pick aspirational things. Gee, I wish I was like this. It's here's who I am. Here's here's what other people see in me. That's that's one of the better ways to, to get input. But really just taking the time to think clearly and pray about it. It's an exercise that, that anyone can do, you know, with a little bit of effort. It's good. I was challenged by one of my uh, good friends uh, who happens to be a pastor at our church as well. He asked me a question <laughs> over dinner. Have you ever thought about what you want your life to be defined by in the next decade? Mm-hmm. And it just gave me, I'm like, man, we're like the same age, but you just became like 30 years older than me with that wisdom. So it, it gave me pause. And I went down this rabbit trail uh, thought process over the next several weeks and months um, to really think through. And I, I bounced it off my wife, similar to what you're saying. So it's, it's affirming to me to hear you say that about asking people that are close to you, make them real, not aspirational. Um, I wouldn't have articulated it that well, but where I've landed has helped me know, okay, this is what I want my kids to say about me 10 years from now. And also I think, I think this is really who I am, but I want, but I want it to stay true. I want it to, I want this to be true 10 years from now. So what, what do I want my life to be defined? What are the five things that I really want my life to be defined by 10 years from now? So it's interesting. Sometimes my kids over once it was solidified and I've talked about it with my wife's name is Beth. When I've talked with Beth, our four kids are getting older and at times they've quoted it back to me, which is really interesting and also kind of a form of accountability when I go off track. So thank you for this. Uh, two more questions. One's uh, pretty big. And then the last one is kind of taking, taking you off the leash to encourage our, our listeners. The, the first one before we get there is who or what has been the, or had the biggest impact on your leadership trajectory? Well, I would say scripture has had the biggest impact on, on my leadership uh, trajectory. You know, it's full of God's principles for life and, and how to lead and, and uh, love people. And so that, that's the foundation. You know, the other thing that, that really uh, 
I would call out is, is a book that uh, Bob Berg and John David Mann wrote ca called The Go-Giver. It's a parable about, uh, you know, principles for business and life. And, uh, you know, it's really focused on the idea that giving is really the way that you maximize uh, value for those in your world and your patch as well as your own life. If we learn to be givers, we will also then be given much. And, uh, you know, the, the hardest lesson for me in that whole uh, mindset was actually the receiving side. You know, as, as entrepreneurs or as leaders, a lot of times we think that, you know, we'll give, but we don't really need to receive anything. But, but what you have to remember is that in order for somebody to be a giver, there has to be a receiver on the other end. And so it's equally as important for us to learn to receive from those that want to give to us as it is for us to give to others. And uh, those principles have been foundational in the peer groups that, that we have uh, operated for the last 20 some years. Uh, it's where I've seen the most growth in my own life. When I'm investing in others, that's when God gives me back great, great value uh, from relationships we have. Well, Arlen, we are close to uh, finishing this thing up and I want to turn it back over to you to close us out. What encouragement uh, would you like to leave our listeners with? You know, I, I think one of the most important things is to, to realize that leaders are made, not born. You know, you have to invest in yourself and, and really dive in with both feet to learn. Great leaders are not ever going to be perfect. So if you're striving for, for perfection, you're on the wrong track. You know, you got to be willing to admit when you're wrong and learn from it and, and then be transparent, you know. People want to follow people they can relate to, that they can trust, and that trust happens when we're transparent and honest with, with uh, those that are, be, are following us. So, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, if I'm not perfect, if I show weakness, you know, that'll be a bad thing. It's, it's a critical part of real leadership success. I can already tell you, you're not perfect. So just be real and communicate you know, effectively with the people around you. And, and uh, you know, that will move you forward in your leadership journey. This has been edifying to say the least. Thank you, Arlen, for, again, taking time, for living this stuff out, for being an open book about uh, missteps and failures so that we all can benefit. Um, it brought value to this conversation, but also um, encouragement to me in particular, and I'm sure our listeners um, I will follow up with you, Arlen, and make sure that there are some links to the uh, the content that you mentioned before. I already wrote down a couple of things, the Go-Giver and some others um, that I want to have in the show notes for added value for those that are listening and, and want to take this thing further. So thank you again, sir. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. It was a joy to be with you, and uh, I look forward to our next conversation. If you're new to the podcast, we always do takeaways and action items at the end of each episode to make it real. So here we go. So first, takeaways. I've got one for you. It's a big one. If you get off track, own it. Apologize. And to be preemptive about it, keep people around you that will risk hurting your feelings so that you know the truth because those people actually care about you. Action items. I've got three. Number one, get a mentor if you don't have one. Number two, if you have a mentor, ask them or your spouse or a close friend two questions. What's one thing I should keep doing 
What's one thing I should stop doing? Number three, read or listen to The Go-Giver. It is so good and so easy to get through. Well, thanks for investing time with us today. We've got more where that came from. Over 130 podcasts like this one and over 75 blogs with practical application. And we've got videos that will make you laugh as well. Go to the show notes to get more leadership content and some wind in your sails. Until next time, from all of us at the Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.